glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. You know, my goal is to give you ideas, to give you advice, to give you information that you can put to work in your life and in your wallet each and every day. But there are times that you feel I came up short, that the advice I gave was not solid. And because of that, I need your feedback. I need to know when and how I can do a better job. So we set up a forum on our main website, Clark.com. It's called Clark Stinks. And you can go there and let me know where you feel I gave misguided advice, bad advice, rotten advice, terrible advice, whatever it is. And then others can see what you've written. I just wanted to point out, so on the website, if you go up to connect on the main menu, it it says message boards. Um, So we don't call them, we call it message boards, not forums, but, and right under there, you'll find Clark Stinks. Although people seem to be finding it pretty easily these days, I'm not going to lie. They do, don't they? (laughs) And so, Krista, you just heard, goes through all those posts on Clark Stinks and shares posts that she loves with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. What you got, Krista? Clark, I love your money-saving ideas and deals. You have showed us many ways to save money. Thank you and your staff for all of your hard work. Your encouragement of getting student credit cards stinks. Credit card debt is a a crisis level in this country. It is past $1 trillion. 40% of all households carry an average credit card debt balance of $16,800 month to month. The average credit card balance is over $6,000. These are reported from the Federal Reserve for 2016. These stats get worse every year. Clearly, a larger percentage of people do not do what you teach, pay off the balance each month and earn the rewards. Instead, they pay thousands in interest charges yearly. I suspect it often starts with student credit cards. Knowing that a person has 40% chance of living with a large credit card debt, getting young adults into student credit cards can be very dangerous. It's the entry-level drug. It would, it would be like knowing that your kid has a 40% chance of becoming an alcoholic and giving them their first drink. Don't get them hooked in the first place. Gosh, I appreciate that so much. All right, so first, that's why Congress changed the law uh, maybe 8, 10 years ago that restricted college students from getting a credit card in most circumstances till they were 21 because... People as teenagers, the banks were throwing cards at them and hoping they would get hooked and get into debt. So I understand the danger completely. My strategy with a college student getting a credit card is how important it is to establish a credit record, credit identity, and credit score. And so for me, the college student getting a card when they turn 21 is specifically so that they can establish a credit record for various facets of life where you need one. And when I do that, I'm ignoring the very real danger that you presented so eloquently. 
Clark, you should be more clear, clear about GINA, G-I-N-A. It does not apply to life insurance, companies with less than 15 employees, or people in the military. My understanding is they have their own non-discrimination law. So a life insurance company can use genetic information to make coverage decisions. Some states have additional protection, and they give you a link for more info. From a genetic counselor... P.S. I made another post about these direct-to-consumer tests you are loving on right now. That's another Clark Stinks for a different day. <laughs> okay, so let me get this straight. If an employer has less than 15 employees, our post says that they can breach your genetic information. Mm-hmm. I have never heard that. I want to verify that because that would be shocking and very upsetting. On a recent program, Clark lamented the state of apprenticeships in America, but he seems blissfully unaware of what we have already. Contractors and building trades unions working together have had apprenticeship programs for decades, turning out thousands of skilled workers every year. He mentioned a contractor that has an eight-week program to train construction workers, but these apprenticeship programs provide classroom and on-the-job learning that can take up to five years with a do-it-right-at-the-first-time attitude. What should appeal to Clark is that these programs are 100% privately funded, taking no taxpayer funds. It drives me crazy when I hear about industries that are seeking taxpayer dollars for startup apprenticeship programs, and we've been doing it on our own dime for decades. There are no better apprenticeship programs in the U.S. than those run by private contractors and their counterpart building trade unions. Want more apprenticeship programs in the U.S.? Take a look at what's been going on right under your nose for years now, but I still think Clark rocks. And then there's actually a different apprenticeship program post. Okay, let's hear them both. Clark, you recently praised the German apprentice program. There is more to it. I have a nephew who grew up in Germany. In middle school, he was channeled into an only option trade school program. His father rightly paid to send him to an American school in Germany. Long story short, years later, Charles Schwab personally tried to recruit my nephew to handle northern Florida. So much for the Germans. I hear that Bill Gates is promoting the German system. Thanks, Chuck. He's calling me Chuck or his name? I think Chuck, Chuck. Schwab. Oh, I don't know. Or oh. maybe, it, maybe it is Chuck. I was just, you always called Charles Schwab Chuck, so I yeah, just I assumed. Mean, yeah. I think his name's Chuck. Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> oh, man. This sounds like the old movie Airplane. Under, over, whatever. Roger. All right. So I appreciate both of those posts. And I think we are all in a conversation now about how we connect people to jobs that are not necessarily jobs that require college. I do understand the post about Germany that people can be tracked too early and they are foreclosed from the opportunity of an advanced education, a college education, if that's the right thing for them. We're going to have a lot of uh, cul-de-sacs and dead ends as we get to where we get this right, where we have people trained properly for the jobs the marketplace is offering. Shame on you. Clark, I know you want to get a great deal all the time, and so do I, but shopping on Thanksgiving Day? Come on. By doing that, you're encouraging more and more retailers to be open and taking employees away from their families. America has lost what the hol- what holidays like Thanksgiving are all about in a chase of the dollar. Please reconsider for next year. Montana girl and gal in North Carolina. Montana girl. Okay. You're so right in what you say. The reality is there were a lot of people working on Thanksgiving Day at e-commerce sites, and the e-commerce sales started 
at 12.01 a.m. on Thanksgiving uh, Wednesday night, the earliest moments of Thanksgiving Day itself, just after midnight. And so I, I am guilty as charged of talking out of both sides of my mouth, that I think that it would be better if Thanksgiving was a day of rest, except for essential personnel, uh, medical personnel, public safety, first responders, police officers. Did I miss anybody? Anyway, I'm sorry if I missed anybody who is essential personnel. It would be so much better if overwhelmingly the day was quiet like it used to be. But that's not where we're headed as a society. And so I am part of the problem. Mortgage interest deduction. Good grief, Clark. I expect a more nuanced and thoughtful sharing of info from you. To say the upper middle class may see a house value drop ignores the incentives. Upper and upper middle class may have a greater incentive to buy a second home so they can deduct their mortgage on their rentals. This may reduce inventory, increase cost, and price everyone but the rich out of home ownership. Look to Australia for an example. So the distortions coming to the real estate market if uh, the bills that are percolating in the Congress end up going through in a similar form to they are now, the, the actual effects on the real estate market are still hard to determine. But the, the whole point of what I was talking about is that the, the alarmist thing that homes were going to drop around the country by 10%, as soon as whatever tax bill becomes law, that was really what I was talking about. And as to what other implications will occur with housing stock availability for primary homeowners, things like that, it's too early to say how that will play. Clark often tells callers asking about buying a used car that they should be sure to, quote, take the, the, care, the car to a mechanic of their choosing, end quote, before buying it. How exactly could this be possible? If I'm selling my car and a prospective buyer who I don't know or who may or may not buy the car says, hey, just let me take it to take the car for a few hours so I could take it to my mechanic and then I'll bring it back. I'm going to say, uh, no, you're not driving off in my car. And will a used car dealer really let a prospective buyer just drive a car off the lot alone and take it to wherever they want for a few hours to have it inspected? Brady in Tustin, California. Brady. I love that you asked me this question because I'd answer this in shorthand and not the way I used to, which is there are mechanics, like if you look at eBay Motors, you'll see there are mechanics that do vehicle inspections that go mobile. They go to where the car is. So they can come to you at your home or your place of work and run the vehicle through their checks to make sure that the car is sound and hadn't been in a flood or whatever. And so they come to you instead of your car disappearing, like you said, because you are 100% on the money that normally someone is not going to allow the car to disappear. Now, Krista, though, when you were buying a particular car 15 years ago, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. you had people who either would hang up on you when you started asking questions or places that did allow you. Right. No, to- definitely. Yeah. People would hang up on me when I'd ask for VIN numbers and things like that. Um, but then the people who had cars I looked at, both individuals and used car uh, lots, let me take the car to a mechanic. 
And you ended up with a great car, didn't you? I did, yeah. But some, definitely I was glad I didn't buy because I took them to mechanics. And they turned out to be lemons. Mm Mm-hmm. Dear Grandpa Howard, I'm a big fan of your financial advice and consumer advocacy, but you're... I'm what? Grandpa Howard, but you're really missing the mark and doing your listeners a great disservice with your view on Bitcoin and other leading cryptocurrencies. Please look to Andreas... Antonopoulos to educate yourself. He would even be great to have on the show as he educates on advocates for Bitcoin free living. Bitcoin is here for good and it's time to be proactive and understand it, not fear it, Clark. And one more about cryptocurrency. I face palmed when I heard Clark call cryptocurrency fake as if it is not a legitimate currency. Like government regulated currency, cryptocurrency has value since people find value in it. Many were able to mine it for easily for it easily in Bitcoin's early days using a, using large computers with 1% with one decent CPU GPU and a traditional high end gaming rig but demand to mine has led to a drought of graphics cards in the market i personally do not own any bitcoin or cryptocurrency but i'm interested in the surrounding tech such as the blockchain encryption that could help make computers more secure more bang with cryptocurrency so let me deal with both of those. Uh, Bitcoin is a very polarizing thing. You know, it's had enormous ups and downs, massive gyrations in value in very short periods of time. And a real money would not do that. And so it is. it does not pass the test of a stable method of storing value and paying for things. Blockchain which gets way pointy-headed, blockchain is so much going to be part of the future. Blockchain, if you're a real pointy-headed, I'll tell you, that is a distributed electronic ledger system that allows for transactions of all different types to be able to be done at a much lower cost than they are today. So Bitcoin is controversial because it's not stable. And one with this little ditty, Clark, I love your podcast, but your tech advice is mostly horrible. Please stop giving tech advice. It hurts my ears. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. We get that one about half a dozen times a year that people that are in the technology field are very unhappy with advice I've given And what I'd like you to do instead is write specifically about a call I've taken and how you feel the advice missed the mark so that that can get on the record for an individual who you feel I've misled. I appreciate all of you taking the time. What a variety of topics today where I can do a better job serving you. Please take the time and post on our message boards on Clark Stinks And let me know, because my goal is to serve you as well as I possibly can. Gil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Gil. Hey, hi, Howard. How are you doing, sir? Great, thank you. You were helping your son with student loans, is that right? That's correct. What's going on with his loans? How much does he have? Oh, man, it's over $100,000, the balance, and uh, the interest rate is 7.9%, which we believe is pretty high. 7.9%? Yes, sir. Wow. And these 
I guess these aren't federal unless they're older that they're that high. Yeah, this is like a third-party company for the Department of Education. Oh, okay. So your son is just drowning in that debt, isn't he? Yeah, he already graduated and everything, and he's already working. Uh, We're actually, you know, paying this thing off, but uh, we wanted to, you know, kind of save a lot of money in the interest rate of it. And so are you on the hook for these as well? Did you co-sign these, or are they just in his name? No, actually, it's on my wife's name. Oh, okay. So your wife faces an equivalent equal burden with your son for these loans. And so have you considered refining those loans? That's exactly what we would like to do, and uh, I would like to know you know, which which company will be uh, the best based on your knowledge of this uh, particular area. The fastest growing is SoFi, S-O-F-I dot com. Okay. And if you qualify for the, SoFi has from great rates to mediocre rates. And okay. if with uh, her credit, you qualify the rates can be even uh, at or below 4% fixed Whoa. rate. So if you do qualify for their lower rates, I think of that. I mean, that would be a massive savings over the years. Definitely. Yeah, it's like, I mean, maybe uh, saving half of the interest rate. Exactly. Exactly. And it means that every monthly payment, much more of the money is going to principal than interest. At a rate of uh, roughly 8%. I would start with SoFi. A lot of the people that mail you offers, the offers never pan out. And SoFi will give a quick answer on what they're willing to do and what interest rate they're willing to charge. And uh, as much as you can get it down, go for it. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. This show is your show. I am here to serve you with information that empowers you so you can take more control of your wallet each and every day. My goal, you keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. You got a question for me, go to Clark.com slash ask. You got a question, you don't have to wait for me. You can talk with a member of Team Clark. That's free, available to you 40 plus hours a week. And if you go to Clark.com, scroll down a little, you'll see the phone number. And hours available for free off-the-air advice. So uh, there's a, an alert I want to make sure you're aware of. A new report out that what's known as account takeover fraud has spiked roughly 50% this year. Account takeover fraud is when a criminal, who knows how, gets a hold of your credit card number or numbers or debit card number or numbers. A friend of the family has been calling me for weeks because she has had several credit cards compromised. And she doesn't know how it's happening. But she had something really weird happen. She had a card that criminals ran up $22,000 in charges And the only way she found out was she went to use her card and the charge was declined and she called and they said, well, 
you're over your limit. You, you know, you've been charging all this stuff. And she was like, no, I didn't use this card. And so they sent her the affidavits to fill out and sent her a new card. And before she'd activated the replacement card, it had a bunch of charges on it. I mean, quite a mystery, right? Where that's coming from. I have a theory that I don't want to share because I'm waiting to see what really ends up happening if she's ever able to figure it out. But the point is, we are very vulnerable right now to where somebody does get our credit or debit card numbers. Now, one thing you can do with the problems with online fraud, where you use a card at an online merchant and the number gets compromised, which unfortunately, because of all the hacking that goes on online, is a great vulnerability, is you can use these systems that generate one-time-use card numbers. And with a one-time-use card number, even if a criminal uh, intercepts it, they can't do anything with it. And so I really like that. The oldest player in this is one I talked about, I forgot how long ago it was, Privacy.com, the way it works is it links to your checking account and issues a unique code each time you use it. If you want to use a credit card, Jointoken.com is a free service where you're able to generate a unique number every time you use your credit card. I don't know exactly how they make their money, but it is a platform where you're able, when you're shopping online, to pay for things and not worry about Okay, somebody's got the number. They're going to have a field day using it. And obviously we're in an era that we face these vulnerabilities. You think about the Equifax breach and everything that's exposed about uh, two-thirds of American adults. And then the various lower-grade breaches that occur we've got kind of like a part-time security officer job for our own information and our own identity. Now, I mentioned something the other day that I want to say one more time, and that is that because the system is so much more vulnerable than it was, you are far more vulnerable using a debit card than ever before debit card because it attaches directly to your checking account, you can have vital money that you need to pay bills, mortgage, rent, car payment, whatever, and the money's gone. And you got to fight with your own bank to get it back. And under the law, they're allowed to wait two weeks before they restore the money. And then they can say, no, we don't believe you. And then you're in a fight that can go on for months. What I recommend if you, for your life, need to use a debit card instead of a credit card is set up an account with one of the great online banks and have a debit card with that that you only have the money in it that's the money you need for walking around that you would do purchases with when you're out and about. And then your main money is in your regular checking account could be with an online bank, a credit union, a traditional bank, whatever. And that way, the money you need to pay all your monthly bills is not at risk from the hackers getting into your account. 
And by the way, if you use any of the payment systems like Apple Pay or Android Pay or Samsung Pay or whatever pay, generally those are far more secure than using a traditional credit card. Even though they're charging to a traditional credit card you've registered with them. The system they use is one they refer to as tokenization, which is a way that the payment is sent that makes the information intercepted by a criminal useless to the criminal. Denise is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Denise. Hi there. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Denise. You are someone interested in doing some saving in your life. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. What's mm-hmm. going on with you? Well, I'm 54 years old, and I came into um, a little bit of an inheritance. Well, and, I'm sorry um, you lost a loved one. Yes, thanks. And um, I- I'm looking into different options for my age um, to either put the money either in an IRA or a Roth IRA. I want to know which one would be the best tax advantage in the long run um, and how which one would benefit me now now so those answers are diametrically opposed because <laughs> a traditional IRA gives you a current deduction on your income right the Roth IRA you get no deal now but you get a big deal later on and that all the money you have in your account plus what it earns is right. yours tax-free. Okay, okay, okay. And yeah, but if you're, the, if you're in your 50s, right. it's not really a, a big difference which way you go unless you either make a huge amount of money at your job no. or you make not very much money at all at your job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm in between. I'm in between. So if you're in okay. between, it really is a pick 'em thing. You can okay. you can choose to do either. Um, mm-hmm. I have a bias towards Roth, and the reason I have a bias towards Roth is with all the deficit spending the federal government's doing, and with an aging population, the mm-hmm. odds are pretty strong that in the future we could see higher tax rates. Okay. Oh, and, oh, oh yeah. Taxes aren't going to go down, so. Um, <laughs> so so if taxes do have to go up to pay for the promises the government has made that it hadn't funded, mm-hmm. which basically mm-hmm. we have made promises we can't keep, mm-hmm. then ultimately the bill is due and you either break those promises to people or you raise taxes to meet those promises. And mm-hmm. I'm betting that over time tax rates go higher as a result. Uh-huh. And that would, mm-hmm. that would give... A slight, a slight nod towards the Roth IRA, but you know, in your fifties, mm-hmm. either is fine. Okay, then. All right, two more, two more loaded questions for you. Okay. <laughs> um, what? First of all, what is the maximum on each one of them that I can contribute per year? Sixty-five hundred. Okay, both the Roth and the regular IRA. Right, because of your age, you get a bonus contribution okay. you can make. Okay, and then, and the other, my last question would be is, what are the tax implications um, 
if heaven forbid there was an emergency that came up and I really needed to access that money? Uh, different with each. With a regular IRA, mm-hmm. you have to pay income tax plus a 10% penalty. Okay. With the Roth, you can withdraw your contributions at any time tax and penalty free. Okay. You just can't pull out any earnings. So okay. let's say you okay. started, just to keep the numbers simple, you started with $5,000 and right. it's worth 5500 and you have an mm-hmm. emergency that you must grab the money, you can mm-hmm. take the 5000 out with no tax issue at all, but mm-hmm. if you take any of the other 500 you're causing real problems for yourself. Okay, okay, okay. And wh- where would be the best place, uh, what type of institution to go to to open, um, say, a Roth IRA? So I believe it should be in an ultra-low-cost investment house. Mm-hmm. And I have a list of my favorites on my investment guide at Clark.com. Okay, okay. And one, okay. there are some simple rules I have. You never want to open a Roth or regular IRA with a bank, a credit union, or an insurance company. Okay, why is that? Because the bank and credit union are for saving, not for investing. Any investing mm-hmm. options they offer are ultra-high cost. Mm-hmm. Insurance company, anything they offer is kind of like an investment, has massive costs. Right, right. And then mm-hmm. full commission stock brokerage houses, you never want to go near any of them unless you like being poor. <laughs> no, been there, done that. So. Okay, so one of the low-cost choices are absolutely my favorite. And uh, for you... You know, getting this thing going, taking this money from the inheritance, popping it in, let's say you do a Roth. Right. I'd like for you to look at the target retirement fund choice. Okay. Where it just automatically adjusts as you get closer and closer to the target. How many more years do you think you're going to work? At least 12. At least 12. Okay. So you would look at the 2030 target retirement fund. Mm -hmm. You just put all the money in that. Let them handle how it's going to be invested, and you're done. Okay. Your only job is to put money in there. Okay. And you always stand the risk in the short term that your account could decline in value, you know, if there's a big stock market decline or whatever. But with a 12-year-out with a kind of thing on a target retirement fund, it's not going to be um, ultra-high risk anyway, but over time, it will make you more money than more pedestrian conservative options like savings accounts or CDs or something like that. So best to you, building up a retirement nest egg. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Alfred is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Alfred. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Alfred. You're working for a company that got bought. Is that right? It is true. The second time in two years. And are you likely to keep your job through the transition or no? I think I am. Well, that is great news. You know, that's an answer that I want to tell you has changed so much from last decade. You know, when a lot of companies were in trouble and they were being acquired, it seemed that so often that was when employees were laid off. And today, employers generally looking for workers, the layoffs are not as common. So that's good. It, it's something that made me breathe a lot easier. So, Well, that's good. good thing. How can I be of service to you with this employer change? So we, I have my 401k with the, the old employer, and that is being terminated. And they let us know we're going to be getting uh, information in the mail to about what we want to do with the funds in there. And I'm at a loss for what I do in terms of do I maybe put it in the IRA or do I put it in the new employees 401k um, and went looking for trying to find information. I'm a bit overwhelmed. All right. I can help you with this. So as a general rule, what happens is you will be able to either have them issue you a check, which you never want. Okay. Or you can move the money into your own IRA and you, if you don't have an IRA set up, you can open up an IRA in what they call a shell account, which means it's open, it's ready to receive the funds from your employer's 401k, but there's no money there yet. And then the whoever you open the IRA with helps you with the paperwork to send the funds direct, it's known as trustee-to-trustee transfer, which makes it a non-taxable event for you okay. to have the money go that way. Then the third option may or may not be made available to you in the letter you receive with the 401k instructions. You may have the option of moving it to your new employer or the <laughs> the successor employer's 401k plan. And okay. if that employer is, are they a giant one, midsize or small? Uh, pretty giant. So generally, if they're a giant employer, they will often have a very low-cost 401k plan. And so if they have one with one of the low-cost providers, the, which the biggest ones are Fidelity and Schwab of the low-cost? They do. Yeah. All right. Do you know which of those they're using? Fidelity. All right. So if they're a Fidelity plan and they allow you to do so, you could just move the money direct from the old administrator directly to the Fidelity successor plan. Okay. So the only one you absolutely don't want to do is take a check because the check thing is uh, bad ugly, as they say in sports, because you have a lot of complications, and if you don't do everything exactly right, you end up with a giant tax bill and penalties And they also hold back 20% of the money in the account. And you have to make that up 
into your IRA until you get a refund the following year on your income tax. Oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, so you never, ever, never, ever accept a check. Often um, unethical 401k administrators will write the letter you receive in a way that makes it sound like that the option you have is to receive a check, and that is so improper, uncalled for, and should be illegal. I agree. That would be horrible. Exactly. So best of luck to you with this new employer. It's your existing job, but new employer, and I hope the second time works out as well as the first time did with that. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that this is the last time. Great. Have a great day. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to Clark.com newsletters.